Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. And today, uh, I have a great view behind me, but I'm joined with two um, guns from the CBRE. You have Paul Grasso and we have Toby Silk. How are you going, guys? They're great. Very good. And thanks for joining us. It's been a... Uh, a pleasure to come here, a little bit different than what we're used to with this type of backdrop, mate. It looks amazing. <laughs> we'll get used to this, that's for sure. Uh, mate, before we jump into things, Paul, mate, I wanted to just sort of run through. You've had a bit of a big change in, yeah. in your sort yeah. of life uh, recently. Last time we, we chatted and you are on the podcast, we, uh, you know, it's a completely different sort of company, I suppose. So, mate, what's what's happening in your world? How's, how's things with the change and uh, what's got you coming over to CBRE? Um, well, look, I originally started back here in 2017. Um, originally I wanted to jump to a smaller firm to see if I could do it without the backing of a big brand. Mm-hmm. Um, threw myself in the deep end and ended up doing okay, I guess. Um, and then I just thought it was very strategic to come back and have the backing of a big brand and obviously that national and international reach behind me. Beautiful. Awesome, man. Well, well it's, uh, and has it, has it been sort of getting back into the, to the bigger company? Is it uh, back to like how it was originally or is it uh... still a few familiar faces like toby which is good um but uh no it's great it's it's good i mean guess getting into people's doors with a backing of a big brand is a lot easier for sure um but no it just feels like i'm back home to be honest mate perfect and toby we'll chatting just before you mentioned you've been around for about eight years now working for the company mate yeah i've I've been with cbs for eight years before coming here i was working for a little boutique firm on the northern beaches doing the same thing okay um but a lot like what paul is saying you get to that point where it's a bit of a glass ceiling Mm. and you're going how can i get more out of my day make more money out of the same hours and cbre offers that kind of platform uh, so we like to call people like Paul Boomerangs. They go out there into the wild. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll see how they go. They come back. So. Uh, but it's really good to have Paul back. He's got a lot of energy and he really helps stimulate the rest of the team, which is yeah. great to have. Yeah. Nice one, man. And what, what have you, has your career path sort of changed being with the company for, for that long? Have you always sort of been in the same uh, space or have you sort of ventured off to higher levels or taking over more sort of different types of... Yeah, yeah. It has, it has progressed, uh, which is... a very positive thing. Um, so when I, when I first came along, I predominantly was focusing on the northern beaches of Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that role kind of expanded to Sydney North, everything north of the Harbour Bridge. Um, and then today, um, I'm now looking after all of uh, Metropolitan Investments for CBRE in New South Wales. Nice. Um, so yeah. I've got, got teammates like Paul. Paul looks after the east. We've got people who look after every patch. Yeah. across Sydney Metropolitan and then we've also got a regional expert as well. Yeah, nice one, nice one. And Paul, you've come back into the similar type sort of area. Are you still controlling the east and, and looking? Well, when I went uh, to the smaller firm, I was sort of scattered. I was doing a bit of everything. Yeah. I guess you had um, access to do that. Um, but I guess CBRE's model's a bit different. They're like the specialists in each patch, which mm. works very effective. Yeah. Um, and you, you narrow down your patch and you're all across your patch when you're like that it is a big market mm. so i think having that expert in each market definitely um you're more in control of that specific patch for sure it allows you to focus right correct and develop correct. relationships everything in, inside those market correct places. yeah yeah i like to talk about it like a farm mm. so each of these patch experts have a farm and their farm areas for them to work better than anyone yeah. else 
um, and make sure that they reap the spoils out of that of farm. Yeah, it's, it's a good um, analogy, yeah. And, and, you know, and the, and the benefit of doing that is that pulls across every single owner within the eastern suburbs. He knows what property is trading for what square metre, right? He knows what development sites are selling for. Mm. So he has all that knowledge and he can impart that knowledge onto all the other owners in the area as well. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's a very good point and, and a very good analogy, right? You want to mm. farm that land and mm. get as much as you can out of it for sure. Mm. Um, guys, what are you guys seeing in the marketplace? The last quarter for you guys, how's it been? How's some of the performance? Is there any sort of special deals that you guys, I suppose, have done? I know when we were chatting before, you said it's 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 a very sort of open question, right? Because you guys are across mm. a lot of different marketplaces and a lot of different asset classes. Um, but what are you seeing sort of in the last quarter? How's, how's things going? Well, I could probably talk quite broadly to that. Um, yeah. I'll probably take us back to, to covid um, when COVID was happening, everyone thought the sky was going to fall in and uh, people were a bit of a panic. Um, there was a bit of a, a divide in the market. So some people thought that, um, you know, the, the economy was going to crash, things were going to go bad. Um, it was time to get out. We're going to um, be faced with the next Great Depression. Mm. Um, and then we had other people who were a little bit more street smart, I would say, probably been around the block a little bit longer and have seen these types of cycles happen before. And they said, you know, watch what will happen. The government will put stimulus into the economy. They'll drop the um, interest rate. And that will cause all assets, not just property, to go through the roof, which they yep. all did. Yeah. And they all boomed. That's exactly what um, yeah. And then there was huge amounts of inflation, of course, in, in the economy. So now the government's had to step in and now they've... Um, um, put in some more taxes and then also they've got the Reserve Bank who's um, come along and um, started to increase interest rates and hopefully they're peak now. But with that all happening, um, what's, what happened is that a lot of people started to sit on their hands because they were wondering where the interest rates were going to peak at and they didn't want to buy in too early. Why mm-hmm. there was more money to come out of the market with assets devaluing in price. Yeah. And what we're seeing now where we come into this quarter is there's a little bit more certainty. So the last 18 months, a lot of people were sitting on their hands just watching and seeing what was happening and there wasn't many transactions happening and not much property coming to market. But now with this certain landscape where we kind of see that inflation's on the way down, although it has had a little bit of a blip recently, it's gone from 4.9 back up to 5.2. We've got some certainty that it is on the downward trajectory. Um, So therefore, interest rates are unlikely to increase substantially more than they are currently, if at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, we've seen a lot of sellers now going, okay, now's a good time to take the property back to market because there's going to be a lot more activity from buyers, which has been the case. And now we've seen, as we come into this period, a lot more property that's hit the market due to that more certain landscape. So that's development sites, um, apartment blocks, boarding houses, retail property, office industrial the whole game right of it. so the whole okay yeah. so you're seeing really like a, a new uplift from from everything right across the board due to the fact that those circumstances you sort of just mentioned now that's a really good recap on sort of where things are at for sure mm. um what about yourself paul are you seeing anything specific in the east that that's um uh, you're seeing much the same like i think it's i think just tracking back to when we spoke last time um stock's still a bit tight things yep. are coming up um but we're being very strategic on what we take on. Um, and I'm assuming other agents are as well. Yeah. So blocks of flats, sites still getting them, finding it hard to get them to stack. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're seeing the same, same Toby. Mm-hmm. Um, but primarily apartment blocks is, is what we're really targeting yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Okay, awesome. What would, Toby, what would you say is, I mean, I know you mentioned you're across a lot of different asset classes, but mm. is there one class that sort of you do a, a bit more transactions than the other or is it, is it, it, is, it is really quite s- sort of split, um, yeah. I suppose, evenly? Yeah, we do, we do about 50%. 
um, as development sites. Okay. And yep. the rest is made up of just investment property. And that's how we spend our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, with development sites, just touching on what Paul was briefly mentioning before, um, there's been huge constru- construction cost inflation. Um, and that's made it very hard for a lot of development sites now to stack. Um, so bringing these sites to market can be quite difficult to get them to trade um, because the value of the land has to be the thing that concedes when you're mm-hmm. looking at a feasibility model because we've seen construction costs go up 35%, but we yeah. haven't seen apartment values go up by 35%. So the only thing that can be affected or move is the land price. Mm. Uh, so if vendors aren't willing to take a haircut, on the value of their property, then they just don't transact. Yeah, right. So development sites are taking a lot longer to sell um, and people are taking more precautions when it comes to reviewing the asset and doing their due diligence on the asset as well. So it's a lot more cautious landscape when it comes to development sites. Um, When we look at things like apartment blocks, um, hospitality and also, when I say hospitality, I mean like the hotel industry, Mm -hmm. um, accommodation assets. And we also look at um, boarding houses those types of assets are trading really well at the moment. The reason being is that Sydney is going through a rental crisis, unfortunately, and that's causing rents to grow substantially. So a lot of investors are looking to capitalise on those assets. Yeah. And so we're finding a lot of people who've held on to that asset class for quite some time are thinking now's a good time to spin out of it. Yeah. Let the next guy take take control. So um, okay. that's been something that's trading quite a lot at present. We're seeing a lot of those types of assets come come to the market. Okay, awesome. And so would you say then what, <coughs> from, from the other aspect and from buyers, I suppose, what are you seeing most, um, I suppose, what are you seeing most demand for out there at the moment? Are you, are you getting sort of a gift on any type of asset class where buyers are seen to, to lean towards more than others? Yeah, definitely apartment blocks okay. um, and yep. also childcare. So childcare was something that became a little bit uncertain through the, the COVID era, a lot mm. of people were taking their kids out of childcare and having them at home, obviously. Mm. Um, but now that the government has doubled down and actually backed it even further, and they're providing subsidies for people um, in families who are earning up to half a million dollars a year, mm. um, there's a lot more confidence around that sector and every investor wants to take advantage of it. Uh, you've also got the benefit that childcare is land tax exempt as well. Um, so it just reduces that exposure for investors. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Child cares. Yeah, even from I mean, from our standpoint, we do get a lot of people inquiring about child cares as yeah. well. So that's, mm. that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, it's more of a specialty class of asset, isn't it? Is that how you guys sort of classify it as well? Like, yeah, it's a, an educational type asset. Yeah. Um, it takes advantage of the fact that you know, if you look at our population, it's always a pyramid, and mm. the younger generation is always going to be bigger than the, the current generation. So there's always going to be more and more demand for um, childcare. Um, and the fact that it has really long lease terms as well yeah. and, and good general annual rental increases, um, it provides a very enticing asset class for investors. Mm. So, so just on that, when you say they've got like, you know, longer leases, what are we talking, like 20, 20, Yeah, 20, years. 15, yeah, 20, yeah, yeah. 30 years. Um, and then generally they have really long option terms as well. So you might see like a 15-year lease plus 10 plus 10. Um, so, you know, your investor you can bank on those 15 years and you potentially have up to 35 years mm. uh, with a tenant in place and, and that's with annual review. So that rent's going to continue growing. Yeah, every yeah. Year. And well, what's the common review like a, as a yearly increase? Yeah, generally we're between 3 to 4%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Um, and then I suppose when it comes to, you said apartment blocks, like what are you, what are you finding out there? Why do you think there's been a move or a little bit more of a demand for the, for the apartment block stuff at the moment? Do you feel it's a safer investment for a lot of people or people are like land banking, that sort of stuff? Or 
Yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a safe harbour for money. Yeah. Um, and it also provides the advantage of taking the, the growth that the uh, rental market's um, now um, generating. Um, it's, it's probably had the biggest movement in rental growth over the last two years. Um, it is going to continue to grow. However, it's not going to be as aggressive as it was. Uh, year to date, it's been around 20% rental right. growth in yeah. the residential market. And at the beginning of the year, um, I did a presentation and the rent had grown uh, year to the beginning of the year by 50%. So wow. rent has substantially grown in the residential yeah. space. So investors are looking to, to take advantage of that. Makes sense. Um, what would you say some of the key considerations are like from a buyer's perspective obviously you guys are obviously selling agents so it's probably a little bit different but what would you say are some key considerations when you're looking to purchase a commercial asset from a buyer's perspective yeah um it, it varies significantly depending on what asset they're looking at yeah. um as, as we've touched on before you know you can look at childcare, you can look at a retail investment you can look at an, an office investment and they've all kind of got their own unique um, factors that you have to look at but i think first and foremost obviously location, location, location. Mm. Um, I think you need to look at um, the sizzle, not the sausage, um, and why you'd want to, to buy in a location. So you want to look at the infrastructure within the area, the amenity, the transport. That's, that's yeah, your first yeah. priority. Um, yeah. And then you can kind of start to drill down from there. Um, you know, if you're looking at something that's a tenanted investment, you know, what's the quality of that tenant? Um, how many other operations does that tenant have? Yeah. What's the experience of that tenant? Does the tenant provide a substantial security bond? Does the tenant provide personal guarantees against the lease? Um, what's the lease, lease length left on the lease? What's the vacancy in the area? Mm -hmm. So even if the lease was to come up for renewal, How long is, it is the tenant going to yeah, jump across yeah. to the shop across the road? Um, how much is the tenant invested in fit out? Because if they've invested a lot of money to fit out, they're less likely to jump, jump somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, so more we, money in the you game. Know, yeah, yeah, so it's a, it's a significant list and that's the, the benefit of using um, like a, a buyer's agent who can go through that, that list and tick Correct. off every yeah. single yeah. part of that as well. Yeah, and, and it obviously it also comes back to, you know, your, what we say too is like your own personal um, goals, right, when it comes yeah. to investing, right? So mm. like that's another way we always say, you know, first of all, we always start with what you're trying to achieve out of it and then we can look into those different asset classes essentially that can, you know, I suppose, produce those results. What about yourself, Paul, in, in the East? The, is the East still like, from a, um, in part apartment block standpoint, is the, is the East like some of the most premium priced apartment blocks because I know from a resi standpoint right when you look at the eastern suburbs for instance you have some yeah. of the most expensive residential properties does that sort of transfer across to, to actual unit blocks as well is there pockets outside of the east that probably perform better as well it's all sort of like the east I'd call it all little micro markets so you've got beachfront yeah. Campbell Parade those blocks just don't stack on yields you're looking yeah. at the land value there so people yeah. are buying them uh, for the land most of them are have that significant development upside mm -hmm. on them. So when you're selling blocks down there, you've got to be very strategic on how you look at them. You've got to look at all the values, um, obviously investment value, development value, and land value. And that's, that's sort of premium property there. Um, but yeah, like suburbs like Maroubra and stuff, it's all very micro market. So pricing them, you'd go down to Maroubra and you'd get blocks probably around 4.5%. That's what you're picking them up at whereas Bondi Beach right you're talking 2% sub 2% yeah right I mean the boys just sold one over here actually what, what did you sell that one 46 oh, Bay Road Waverton um, we sold that on a yield of uh, 2 point uh, I think it was 2.56% wow. uh, on a gross yield uh, gross passing yield um, 
so there is a lot of demand out there for the apartment blocks at the moment, especially when you get into that smaller price point. So if you're looking at an apartment block of four, that's your sweet spot. A lot of people can afford that. Mm. A lot of people like that asset class. Um, and so you're going to have investors or serious investors also competing against mums and dads. Gotcha. Yeah. And those, when you said development like opportunities, so typically what are they doing? If you're buying like a, a boutique block of four, for instance, mm. I mean, what you're saying there's more scale to essentially put another couple of apartments on top or... Is it just more refurbing and... Well, sort of a lot of the land... So the, you've got to look at the land size, obviously. A lot of them down there between four to 500 square metres. Mm. Um, most of the blocks don't really cover up majority of that land. So what they're doing is they've got uplift. The planning controls are favourable for more units. So ideally, a lot of them are A, converting them into yep. luxury apartments or knocking them down and building luxury Completely apartments. Completely again, yeah. That's awesome. What um, you mentioned before, obviously, you know, once you get down to those lower price points, um, you know, you get the mums and dads and the smaller investors that are now competing with the bigger investors for mm. them. What's the range of sort of, I suppose, deals that you guys sort of do? I think you mentioned before anything up to 50 mil. Was yeah. It? Is that, yeah. yeah. So I think we were offline before that was mentioned. But yeah, we, we deal with everything from, from really a million up to to 50 mil. Mm. Um, we have sold something as small as about $100,000. I think we sold a car space. <laughs> um, so nice. so we, have, we, we do dabble in the smaller yeah, end of yeah. the market as well. But yeah, predominantly our target clients um, or our client base is uh, privates. So private yeah, high net right. worth individuals, um, people who've got very successful businesses and are looking to diversify their portfolio. And the yeah. property will be just a small part of their their larger portfolio. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, so, right, so it's just, is it still individual private people at those higher levels or is there like companies as well that you deal with and corporations that are doing stuff as well? Yeah, level, or? It, it's mostly privates, but yeah. we do get um, a bit of a crossover when we get up to the higher end of that, mm. that range I mentioned, um, where we do get, you know, some of your institutional type um, investors and developers who come into the fray as well. Um, so we do deal with the, the full gamut, um, but predominantly it is, is the privates and generally the privates tend to be more nimble and aggressive than the institutions who've got internal hurdle rates mm. that they need to achieve um, and also due diligence processes that they need to go through. And a lot of people um, will rather take an unconditional deal than a conditional deal which yeah. has the risk of falling over when For it has sure. to go through board approval. Yeah, mm. awesome. And then on, you just mentioned due diligence there, and obviously due diligence, you know, a lot of people listening to this, you know, are probably that smaller type investor that, you know, probably got a few resis themselves and are looking to, to venture into the commercial space. Yep. Um, when it comes to due diligence, it's obviously a lot different, right, uh, mm. when it comes to a commercial asset. Mm. What's, uh, I suppose, some of the, the, the key things involved in due diligence you feel that people should be across when you're looking at an asset? to buy I mean obviously it's return it's um, yeah. you know, lease and tenants and business analysis and location like we discussed but is there any key ones that you find that you guys always look at as well when you're doing your own sort of analysis on yeah, deals yeah uh, we, we always love to look at what infrastructure projects are happening in the area mm. yeah. and also what is the forecasted population growth for that area Right. so regardless of anything else if there's infrastructure going into the area, if there's population growth that's going to happen within that area, mm. it causes everything to lift up in value. Yeah. It just means that there's limited supply, increasing in demand, pure economics to less that yeah, value. Cool. So that's one of the keys. So that's one of the key things. So you could even have something which is what most people would consider a dud investment on a return basis. Yeah. But when you look at the macro you can see items, what you can potential. see that the yeah. future of this asset. Yeah 
will provide a huge capital gain. Yeah, cool. And do you look at do you look at historical data as well to see how it's performed, or not so much? Is it more, like you said, based on the on the future projections of what's happening in the area? Yeah, we, we definitely look at historical data, but historical data is no precursor to future to what's performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we also look at you know median house price. What's a median um, salary for someone in the area as well? Because um, that's also uh, helps us understand the fundamentals of that area and what things should be likely trading at. So if you find that areas have a higher medium price, then you can tend to expect that the commercial property within that area is going to go for a better rate and the yields will be more compressed. Yeah. So when you go to areas that have a lower medium price, tend to find that the commercial properties in those areas are going to have a higher risk attribution, therefore mm. they will have a higher yield. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. And is there, is, there, is there a sort of like, when you're talking about sort of, I suppose, different yields, are you finding, do you do much regional stuff? Is there high yields? I mean, normally, if you're looking at the smaller stuff, you, what you find is the, the regional areas tend to have the higher sort of rates of return and income. Absolutely. That, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're spot on there. Um, so when you, you find that the, your tighter yields or your lower yields are generally within the, the city centres, and as you start to move away from mm -hmm. the city, generally speaking, you've obviously yeah. got your a few suburbs here and there that buck the trend yeah. um, but as, as you move out um, and you get to those regional areas uh, you'll find yields decompress significantly so we sold a uh, Centrelink in Newcastle uh, beginning of this year wow. um, and that traded on a yield of eight and a half percent yeah, if wow. you found that property to be within city, when you have a government tenant, yeah, wow. um, you'd be looking at yeah. a yield of maybe four and a half percent so it's, it's a significant difference there. For sure. Um, the, the risk um, profile on that asset is okay what happens if that tenant moves out and what yeah. will the value of the asset be when that tenant moves out yeah what's the underlying land value of that asset if that tenant yeah. moves out so these are the types of things that people need to think about when looking at these assets so whilst the yield may be appealing of course yeah. if that tenant moves out you may not be able to rent it at the same rent yeah because it's, it's almost get like a, a specialty yeah, class right specialty, where it's like yeah. a service station or much mm -hmm. like a childcare, like we yeah. just discussed right yeah. like if those tenants move out yes yeah. you have the good returns and the longer leases mm. but if those tenants do vacate can be a little bit more of a vacancy rate there, right? To try and fill that space. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So that, that risk there is, is the vacancy risk. Awesome, guys. And what, uh, I suppose what are we, what are we uh, forecasting coming you know, as we run up into Christmas and, and places like that? Do you guys think, uh, I mean, naturally you said, yes, the marketplace is, is loosening up a bit. We're getting yeah. more, more things come across. But um, does it normally happen even faster up to sort of the run home to Christmas or, or what's that usually like? Yeah, we tend to have, um, Paul can probably attest to this, we tend to have very um, heavily backloaded ends of the year. Mm -hmm. So we'll find that we have slow starts because a lot of our clients will take a summer holiday over to Europe. Um, or, or go somewhere nice, and um, so they'll come so they're back. they're still not back yet, yeah. or they, they usually get back? <laughs> <laughs> well, they get back, and then they, then they have to start, you know, working out what they want to do and then yeah, they start to yeah. do their due diligence and then things just take a little bit of time and then you know and then all of a sudden they go oh christmas is approaching yeah. and let's get things happening now so we tend to find that there's a lot of property that hits the market um towards christmas and we also have a lot of buyers looking to buy before the end of christmas yeah it's kind of like people have mandates and and human nature is that we like to leave things to the last minute of course <laughs> and then we, we we like to use christmas as a, a deadline and then everyone likes to run towards that deadline true. so it gets yeah. really really busy at this this time of the year and we have seen a huge amount of uh 
stock hit the market every single day i'm seeing more and more properties commercial properties come yeah, to market yeah, yeah. where at one point you'd be lucky to see you know three or four dribble in um, yeah. each week but right now it's um a big a big wash of, of property yeah coming to market. it's interesting how the marketplace works like that right like yeah. you get like a a very very big drop off during winter mm. uh, and then like you said probably all the bigger people in the uh, domino overseas. effect, <laughs> domino yeah, effect. Yeah. everyone wants to go with the dominoes so the last so you say, say you're thinking the last two months as normal and in, in most of the other years that have passed is probably going to be a, a, a pretty hectic period to yeah very for transacting period. yeah yeah, yeah we, we find it very difficult to kind of manage um, time to uh, attribute to these deals and also get involved in the silly season. Yeah, <laughs> as gotcha. a lot of our clients want to invite us out to lunch and say thank you for for the year that's for been. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it is it is a period where you, you do try to to manage your time as best as you can um, to get those deals done, but also um, have a bit of a bit of a, a celebration with your your friends and your colleagues and uh, sure. your clients. Do you guys work all the way up until like what's the usual calendars for you guys? You guys take off from Christmas or yeah, normally we have yeah we take we, we normally take off a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's very common for us to to probably take off the two weeks from Christmas and then maybe two weeks in early Jan, mm. and then we normally start hitting the road back um, halfway through January, and that's normally us getting ourselves organised for when our clients come back in. They normally come back to the fray or back into the market. Um, from overseas after Australia Day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, so what they tend to hit hit overseas in. So if you're talking Europe, they're there in winter almost. So it's a lot of skiing well, yeah, and stuff. Right. Yeah. They've got Aspen or whatever it may be. You know. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they can go go there or wherever it may be that they decide to go. But um, yeah, they they tend to to use the school holiday period as an opportunity to travel. Yeah. 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 So we find that like, um, and what we say to a lot of uh, on the resi side as well is you know a lot of people from a buying perspective, tend to take their foot off the brake now. Like they get to a point where it comes to like maybe November and they go, you know what, we're just going to put it on, on, the, on the back pedal till next year now, let's forget about it. Mm -hmm. But we actually advise against that, right, as mm, buyers agents definitely. because a lot of people exit the marketplace with that same mindset which mm. can create, you know, some good buying, right, because there's mm. less competition on things that are there. Mm. Um, is that sort of trans cross back to, to commercial or not so much? I think it's a bit of a different marketplace than, than, than the resi in that sense. I think it's a little bit different. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's more people have got a mandate that they need to fill by the end of the year and then people also wanting to sell a property by the end of the year. And I think the two just kind of cross, cross. perfectly yeah. for us. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit different, I think, in terms of psychology there. Definitely. Mm. Um, and what about the East Pole? Much the same? There's probably, they're probably some of the biggest people that take off overseas. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> when it comes oh, yeah. to the end All of the year. All these are starting very shortly. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, like the place reacts the same as what we sort of discussed as online yeah, and everything it's else. Standard. Yeah, Obviously, it's yeah. school holidays. They take their kids overseas. Yeah. I mean, when, when you were growing up, Toby and Damien, I'm sure your parents did the same thing. Yeah. Um, so they usually they usually go, come back and go with school holidays. So it's over that sort of December, January period. Um, we find activity starts to pick up after, after Australia Day. That's usually when everyone's back on deck. Mm. Perfect. Awesome, guys. Well, look, great chatting. Anything, anything closing comments you guys wanted to touch on? Anything uh, you wanted to discuss in regards to the market, commercial property, uh, before we sort of wrap up? Yeah, I, th I think that certainty is definitely back in the landscape yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, if you have been waiting for the market to bottom, I think it actually has bottomed I agree on that. the way yeah. back up now. Yeah. Um, so it's now, now's the opportunity to take a run at it before values start to increase further. So if you're thinking about it, get in now. We'll agree, agree. Definitely. You're probably ahead of the curve a little yeah. bit if you start yeah. to act now, for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Toby, thanks, Sam. Pearl, thanks, Paul. Thank you. Amazing it. work, mate. No worries. See you guys. Thank you.
This is general advice and does not take into consideration your objectives, situation or needs. You should consider if this advice is suitable to you or your circumstances and please read any applicable PDS beforehand. This is a Henderson podcast production.